Well, hello, hello. It is Wednesday, March the 30th of 2016. My name is Nolan Kaler. And I'm Daniel Friesen. You are listening to Wittenberg Radio, CMU's most subscribed to podcast, put on by the CMU Student Council. As always, subscribe on iTunes or the podcatcher of your choice for the latest episodes, as well as past episodes are available. Wittenbergradio.com is the place you can find those as well. We have our own little website. It's pretty great. It's well-designed. looks sleek still. We've got wittenbergradio at gmail.com, which is the place you can send us your comments, questions, listener concerns, favorite recipes, uh, stress vent about papers, you, whatever, you can do whatever you want. You can tweet those at us also. We're at Wittenberg Radio on Twitter. Facebook is Wittenberg Radio as well. So, our second to last episode of the year, I think. Yes. Yes. Yeah. This is, this is a nuts time of year to put out. Uh, a podcast, but hopefully you catch this in a study break or a procrastination break or uh, well, you know what? Me- Even if you don't I- listen to it right away, it's going to be on the internet for Ever. what? A hundred years? Oh yeah, two hundred years? Three hundred years? Well, Maybe. Okay. Let's keep. Let's I don't know. Our, let's let's keep our feet in reality. If you're listening to this three hundred years in the future, send me an email. We just told you the address, so please send us the email. I await it with bated breath. Do do you do you do you? Do you? Yes. How long have you been working for? Well, 300 years. That's how for three, you're going to wait for 300 years for any... Okay. Yeah. Cool. They're, they're, they're listening to it. So if right. Just keep clicking that refresh button. Yeah. For all time. Yes. Great. That's probably what I would do to maybe not for 300 years, but I would, you know. Kenji, what's the longest you've waited for an email for? <sighs> By the way, Kenji, Kenji Dick's here. Kenji Dick. Kenji Hello. Dick. Hello. Hi. We're uh, going to get to him in the second half. We're going to get to him in just a little bit. But Daniel, first I want to talk to you about uh, the passing of a music legend here on the show. Yes. Someone that I know that you're a huge fan of. Uh, a Tribe tall, a tribe Called Quest is a... Uh, well, why don't you explain who a Tribe Called Quest were? You probably could do that better. Well, a Tribe Called Quest is a rap group, a uh, hip-hop group from the uh, 1980s and 90s. They were most popular. They had a bit of a reunion in the 2000s. Um, but they're most known from the 90s, 80s and 90s, and uh, they are a, a group of people consisting of Q-Tip, uh, Ali Shaheed Muhammad, Jerobi sometimes, and Fife Dog, the late Fife Dog, who just passed away last week, was it? Yes. The five-foot assassin. Uh, he doesn't eat no ham and eggs because they're high in cholesterol. Uh, yeah. Uh, That's true. Rap legend, famous for uh, most famous for his verse on... Uh, Low End Theory, uh, the first song. What of that a great album. album, though! Like, yeah, Low End Theory was really. If you wanna, uh, if you're wondering who is this Fife Dog character, and you uh, wanna get acquainted with his work, check out the the album Low End Theory by Tropical Quest. It'll change your life. September twenty first, nineteen ninety one, the same day as Nirvana's Nevermind and Red Hot Chili Peppers' Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Really? Wow, that's huge. I know, right? I was I was listening to this today, so I'm driving in. Huge uh, year for music. I was driving in today and uh, just randomly on the playlist that I was I was checking out on the internet, uh, it was there was this song and it, so a tribe called Quest came up, and they played uh, Check the Rhyme off that uh, off that album. Check uh, the Rhyme, yeah. Check the Rhyme. That's an, another. Oh, there are really no bad tracks on. It's true. That album. It's true, but it's been in my head all all morning as we as we uh talk here so yeah, yeah. famous but- for their uh social commentary uh samples of jazz and uh and other like uh, famous famous for their sampling use of samples q-tip definitely was a, a huge contributor to sampling mm-hmm. culture um 
Not only yeah. that, but they were like a, they were a really positive voice in hip hop culture. They weren't, you know, they weren't they ain't a punk as Fife Dog would say. Uh, yeah, definitely. They're they're very pro peace. They were part of the uh, the the Zulu Nation uh, rap collective, which included uh, uh, De La Soul, Queen Latifah, and lots of other prominent hip hop. Public Enemy was they part of Zulu Nation? Uh, I'm not sure about that. Maybe. Anyways, they were a social. They were a, a movement of socially responsible hip hop that um, worked to counteract the uh, kind of the the gangsterism that was prominent in the in the 90s. Um, to to build up uh, the African American community through positive messages um, instead of violence. Uh, if you want to watch a good documentary about them, Beats Rhymes Life. It's yes. on Netflix. I'm not sure if it still is. It was though. It was on Netflix. Um, Beats Rhymes Life is a, a pretty comprehensive documentary outlining the the rise and uh, breakup of a tribe called Quest, right. and explains things about that too. Anyway, all that to say, rest in peace, Malik Taylor, uh, Fife Dog, who passed away last uh, last Tuesday at the age of 45, uh, complications resulting from uh, diabetes. Um, yeah. So, you know what? We should play a song. Let's play a song. Let's play a song. You want to play Check the Rhyme, or what's what's another track that you would... Bugging Out is the fam- most famous. Uh, that's where Fife Dog really kind of like blew up, and he has his big verse. Uh, so we'll put that in there right now. Let's do it. Bugging Out. Rest in peace, Fife Dog. This is a tribe called Quest on Wittenberg Radio. Yo, microphone check, one, two, what is this? The five-foot assassin with the roughneck business. I float like gravity, never had a cavity. Got more rhymes than the one that's got family. No need to sweat our senios to gain some type of fame. No shame in my game, because I always be the same. Styles upon styles upon styles is what I have. Just to fight for, but you still don't know the half. I sport new balance sneakers to avoid a narrow path. Messing around with this against the size of the. I never have stuff, cause I'm not a half stuffer. Drink a lot of soda, so they call me Dr. Pepper. Refuse to compete with BS competition. Your name is special, so won't you suckle with the mission? I never walk the street, think it's all about me. Even though deep in my heart, it really could be. I just try my best to like go all out. Somebody uh, even say, Yo, shorty, uh, black, you're shorty, black, you're bugging out. Uh, Zulu. Mother's last creation, minds get flooded, ejaculation, right on the two-inch tape, the abstract poet incognito, runs the cape, not the best, not the worst, and occasionally I curse to get my point across, so bust the force as I go in between, the grit and the dirt, listen to the mission, listen, missions I do work, um, as I crack the monotone, chilling up the jazz, so get your own, smoking on a beat, cause they try to dupe me, of the best of the pack, but they can't do rap for us, ab- Original, you can't get your own, and that's pitiful. I know I'd be the man if I cold yank the plug on R&B, but I can't, and that's wrong. Once again, a case of 
used to smoke the weed out. Ali Shaheed Muhammad used to say I had to be out. Scheming on the cookies with the crazy booming back buns. Pushing on the real hard just so we can have the big fun. When I left Marusi, I was Boulevard status. Battling the MC was when Tip was at his status. It was one MC after one MC. What the world could they be wanting? See from little old me. Do I have the formula to save the world? Or was it just because I used to smoke the women and all the girls? I'm the type of brother with the crazy extended hand, kid. This my all my brothers. I was all up what my man did. Supposed to be my man, but now I wonder cause you're feeble. I go out with the strongies and I separate the eagles. It's your brain against my mind. My nose about to boot out. All your nasty killers, even though you say I'm bug out. There you go. Little big tune. Big tune. Rest in peace, Fife Dog. That was a trap called Quest. Bugging out here on Wittenberg Radio. We should I love when we play tunes like that. Just bumping. Oh man. That that just brings life to the soul. Well, if you are on campus this coming Thursday, which is tomorrow, I guess if you're listening to this when we release this uh, this uh, podcast, you will be able to partake in a CMU event of unique perhaps proportions. And certainly a fun night for all. I'm talking, of course, about Film 60. The premise of this of this film festival is that students gather in usually the Great Hall. I think it's there again this year. And they watch uh, film submissions to the Arts and Entertainment Committee that are 60 seconds long only. And student created. Also student created. Yes, indeed. I feel like that's the important part. Student cre- <laughs> the student created and sixty. Yes. So we so we as a student body submit films to Film Sixty, and they are judged by a panel of independent judges. They've gotten uh, outside film, uh, like filmmakers from the outside realm of uh, Shaftesbury campus. Outside the realm of Shaftesbury campus, we'll talk. We'll learn to talk one of these days, and. <laughs> They judge these films, and it's a night of black tie, um, Oscar-esque glamour and glitz, all in prestige. Prestige, all in sixty seconds or less. The film festival, as I say, goes tomorrow night, eight forty-five in the Great Hall. It is put on by the Arts and Entertainment Committee. We have with us today one of the participants in Film Sixty. And that is Kenji Dick. Dick, hello. hello. Yeah. Nice to have you here. Yeah, thank you. It's an absolute pleasure. It's an, an absolute pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I'm very <laughs> happy to be here. Well, we're glad to have you here. Uh, now, for those of uh, for those of you who is thinking, Dick, why does that sound familiar? Your father. <laughs> <laughs> In the sense that he is the child of Paul. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah. indeed. Paul Dick, English professor. So... <laughs> I'm not gonna live this down. Think about that. No, 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 no. We're spitballing here today, folks. It's a live, off the floor kind of recording. So, Kenji. Yes. What attracts you uh, to the medium of film? That's a big question. It um, is a big question. Starting off, we're gonna nitpick this. <laughs> we have to get over this first, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I've always had a passion for filmmaking ever since I was like. Ever since I was a kid, really, I've always loved making little short films um, with my friends. Um, I guess the one thing that I really love about uh, filmmaking is the way to tell stories, um, the use of imagery and of sound 
um, and to tell unique and fascinating stories is absolutely interesting to me. And um, it's a medium that I think it's kind of hard to grasp, but like it's just it's just very interesting just trying to like grasp with it, just trying to tell stories with it. So that's the main reason why I like using it. Do you recall a, a time from your childhood where maybe there was a film that you saw that sort of got you thinking, hey, I kind of want to do that? Well, um, when I was really young, I remember when I was at this family event uh, with my relatives, and um, I wanted to make this like a little quick short horror film with my uncle. And so basically all what it was that um, the camera, I just took a, uh, my old digital camera and I just panned it and it revealed my uncle and I told him to smile and I told him to slowly turn that smile into a very terrifying face. And then I would like mess around the cameras if there was a monster behind the camera <laughs> and taking it down. Um, it was something that I thought was a lot of fun when I filmed it. Um, but then when I started showing it to my relatives at the, at the meetup um, and they're all interested in it and they're all very fascinated with it, um, well, I don't know. They probably thought it was crappy because it was they made said, "Oh, this is like, too scary. Please yeah. put this away. I'm gonna have nightmares." <laughs> right, right. But um, they, the fact that they wanted to see it, and the fact that like I got an audience to look at this thing, even though it was on a small digital camera, because remember I wasn't like I just showed it right after I filmed it. Um, I think it was then that I realized that I wanted to like, I wanted to make movies. Like the whole idea of making a movie, and then also like showing it to an audience is like quite rewarding. So yeah. Hmm. Uh, what sort of uh, so when you're making a film for film sixty now? Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll start. We'll we'll get into the nitty gritty details of like what the of the making film uh, process <laughs> is. But first, I want to ask you what 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 sort of things you're going to be maybe trying to do as you create a film to appeal to that specific audience. Is there anything that you're doing differently? Um, I think the biggest thing that would be, I guess, like trying to do, um, would be to have a nice like fast pace to it um there's there's a lot like 60 seconds is only so much time and um i feel like that in a kind of in a film like that you can't take too much you can't take too much time to establish too many things um and i feel like that if you have like just a film that goes nice and quickly but remember not too quickly because you don't want to overwhelm your audience but um nice and quickly um you can get the audience nice and <laughs> you can get the audience uh like nice and invested um, they can get a they can go along with the energy. Like you can have like nice fast cuts here and there, and you can get the audience really invested with a quick sense of energy. Um, and of course, not too much of it, because if too much of it, then that could be really uh, well. That could be really bad. Um, you can you can reference numerous Hollywood blockbusters as films that use too much energy, and thus they just become a little too overwhelming. But if you find a nice energy with that film, a nice amount of cutting, a nice amount of music music cues, a nice amount of sound cues. I feel like you can do that. You could you can get away with a lot, and I feel like you could do that in sixty seconds. Have you ever worked under these sorts of time time constraints before? Yeah. This is something you've done before. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I have. What um, was that experience like? Well, it's tough because when you're on the editing board and you're cutting it all together, you're like, man, I wish this was longer. I wish I could actually make this film longer. Because um, last semester I was in the filmmaking course at, here at CMU. And we had time limits. We had time limits for like projects that can only be like two minutes long or five minutes long. And all my first cuts were always like longer than that, right? And it's always tough to cut away from that, like cut away footage. You're just like, I love this footage, but then you realize that like you, it's actually a good thing to actually cut away because you realize, and well, this stuff that I might like, I might be the only one that like that likes it. I might be the only one that thinks that's necessary. But then again, I don't know if my audience or the people who are going to watch this are going to think the same thing. And so you gotta, so that's always the toughest part is actually like cutting away certain bits, but like you realize that like it's, 
it's a, kind of a necessity. Yeah. Killing your darlings, I believe that's called. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Look at you with all that technical knowledge. Well, I know a thing or two. Well, let me tell you. Let's make this a video <laughs> podcast before you leave. Then, what was something that you learned maybe in this uh, CMU video class that uh, maybe you hadn't thought of before? Was there anything? Or is it kind of just, you know, getting practice in and chasing the same ducks around the pond, so to speak? Right, right. Um, well, I think I learned, uh, well, I just learned to be a bit more patient um, hmm. with my, with like just filming things. Um, because like the best films I made in that, in that course were ones that I took like a long time to do. Um, just making sure that like the camera was in place, making sure the lighting was like the way I wanted it to be. Um, like being really patient with your filmmaking. And of course... Like that can be annoying to other people on set because like they think to yourself, we've already gotten this shot. Why are we taking like a seventh cut of it? Um, but I feel like that in that course, I learned that like you got to take your time. Like you got to take your time. You if you rush it, then you're not going to get what you want, and and you're not going to get what you want, and it might not come out all that great, right? Um, it's very easy when you're filming a movie, um, with especially as as a director. Like it's very easy when you're filming a movie and like you're just okay, we got the shot. And you don't want to like irritate other people on set. You're just like, okay, we got it. We can now move on to the next one. But then like, but then that kind of like doesn't work out later when you're on the editing table. Cause then you look on the footage and you're just like, well, okay, I wish I actually took a bit more time on this shot. I wish I may have said this to the actor. I wish I may have corrected the focus here. I wish I may have had the lighting over here. And so, well, so that's, that's the thing that happens on a lot of like sets I've been on. And when I was a director or when I was just observing, it's just like you gotta take your time. You gotta be patient with with your camera, with your tech, with your actors. And while maybe your crew and your actors might be a bit upset with that, um, I feel like it's worth doing. And you have the best crew and actors, by the way, if they totally understand that and they're totally willing to stay for those few extra hours. So yeah, there's. It seems to me like there's like a bit of a, a tension there between having patience. And at the same time, you've only got 60 seconds to do this. Right, right. So this is like, yeah. this is like a, I guess this is like the, the big major virtue that a, that a, a director needs in order to work in these sorts of environments. Yes, right. Right. Um, so I'm going to ask, uh, what's an example of something that you've done that you've learned this sort of patience in your filmmaking? Um, well, a couple of years back, I made a very big film. And it was definitely just wasn't just me, but this is a project called Omens and Dragons that I made with a few friends. And it was a, by far the biggest project that we ever made. We had a Kickstarter campaign for it and we reached our goal for it. Um, but looking back on that film, I cannot help but cringe during every shot uh, because there were a lot of things. There are a lot of things that went wrong with that with that project. But I think the biggest problem is that I didn't I was a director of that and I didn't I did not have any patience whatsoever. And maybe it was because of the stress that I was under because I was working with a big crew and cast and something I never worked with before, um, to that size anyways. But like, I was just like, okay, we got this shot. Let's move on to the next shot. Let's move on to the next shot. And every shot is like, like to me personally, it's just a little bit uncomfortable watch. Cause I feel like, okay, this could have been better if I just took my time to correct this. If I just took my time to actually look at the frame and see what I have to fix there. And that's, that's a project that I, I definitely look back on as a bit like, like I feel like that could have been better um, but I also feel like just as someone who makes films I feel like and I feel I don't know if other filmmakers would relate to this but I feel like you have kind of have that experience with every film you make um, you can look back on any film and you can be like oh this could have been better and that could have been better and even some of the best directors out there would say the same thing uh, Dave, I don't want to take up too much time but uh, David Fincher of David Fincher of like Fight Club fame 
his best film in my opinion is The Social Network and that's an amazing film technically brilliant film well edited but he said in an interview that he only got about 70% of what he wanted from that film I thought to myself 70% like you mean there's a whole 30% that you did not get and like while he like ultimately like yeah that 70% is great like you think to yourself like that like as a viewer that well this is 100% perfect because it's an amazing film but to the director it's like no this wasn't perfect I wish I actually got that 30% more right and um so I feel like that every like director just has that like has that right when they look back on the past ones it's just like I wish I could have done this different I wish I could have done that different and like maybe we're just kind of like you know punishing ourselves for no real reason but I feel like that's just what happens for like nearly every filmmaker but Omens and Dragons by far would be the biggest one for hmm. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. there we go we gotta go check that out now and see maybe it's our 100% to, to us um, <laughs> now is this uh, striving for perfection in uh, as you're directing is that something that uh, you hope to like one day achieve like finally you'll say okay I finally got every shot this is everything that it could be or is that something maybe you don't want to reach so that the, the, that the drive is still there right well I think I can I think I can take relief in that like I don't know if I'll ever be able to reach that level of perfection hmm. personally like I mean I don't know maybe someday in the future like I, I'm going I'm going to keep on trying my best to reach that level of perfection in my filmmaking um, but like something tells me that every time I'll, I make something I'll look back on it being like that could have been a difference. I feel like I feel like that's gonna happen for a while. Maybe when I'm like, if I'm still making films around this point, who knows? But like, maybe like when I'm in sixties and I make some film, I'll look back. I don't know, look at it and be like, there, I had everything done, then perfect. But like, I feel like then, I feel like that overall, I, I could take relief in that. I don't know if I'll ever reach the level of like, I'll ever reach a hundred percent like personal perfection of what I want. Um, so yeah, that's what I would say. But yeah. Okay, tell us a little bit about uh, the project that you put together for Film Sixty this year. Yeah, um, so this year uh, it's it was a very interesting experience. Um, basically, the short film is about a guy who's trying to finish a paper, and in the library, it's due within a couple of hours. It's a very big paper; it's worth a lot. Um, but there is a man who is sharpening his sharpening his pencils with a very loud and obnoxious pencil sharpener, um, not so far from him in the library, and uh, it is distracting the student quite a bit. And I can't reveal any more about that because this film's only yeah. 60 please no spoilers. Long. Yeah, exactly, no spoilers. So, but I will say that much. Um, that was a film. That and that was a film I made this this year. Uh, without giving away too much, what is what are you trying to leave the audience with after they've gone through those sixty seconds? Basically, I think my audience like that's a really good question. Um, I think my I think the, the impression I want to leave my audience is that like. I want them to overall find the film humorous, but not comfortable. Um, I don't want my audience just to laugh at this and like find it completely hilarious. I want them to. I don't want to sound like too evil when I say this. But I don't. I want to kind of like laugh nervously. Um, there's a certain element of creepiness that I'm trying to achieve in this, and mm. I. And yeah, I don't know. And maybe the creepiness will actually overcome the the comedic part of it all that I'm hoping to achieve. And if that happens, then. Like, well, this is just a creepy film then. But um, overall, what I want to achieve with this film is a sense of, like, like a sense of, like, unnerving comedy. Hmm. Like, laughing when you're uncomfortable. Um, or laughing at one's misery and then kind of, like, being creeped out by the guy who's causing that misery. Huh. Yeah. What is, okay, million-dollar question, as always. What is the, uh, insp what, what's the inspiration for you to find that sort of uh, 
making the audience want to laugh nervously and being uncomfortable in their humor. Right. Like it just influences? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say the Coen brothers. Um, the Coen brothers are excellent at this. Um, if you, even if you watch their darkest films, they somehow always manage to add a weird sense of comedy. I think probably their best example of this is Fargo. Um, Fargo is a film, when you look at it, should not be funny at all. It's really dark. It's really violent. But there are these hilarious characters and these kind of hilarious situations. We end up laughing at the funny moments. And we end up feeling, and in this case, we end up feeling sad about the tragic moments, right? Um, the heck do you mean? Yeah, that's right. Um, but like, uh, you know, like there's this great moment, like and, uh, spoilers for the film, I guess, but like just, uh, Steve Buscemi shoots um shoots the father at one point the father's trying to give him the money and like it's supposed to be a horrific moment because he's like just killing somebody in cold blood right but then like the guy as he's falling down after getting shot is like oh geez right like it just it just comes off as being ridiculously comedic right and it's like what well, like i don't know how, to, how i'm supposed to feel about this right because like, now there's blood everywhere but yet i'm still like kind of weirdly laughing at the whole thing and the Coen brothers are just very good at, at doing this. And like even their darkest film, No Country for Old Men, which barely has any moments of laughter in it, there are just still moments where you meet bizarre characters and you still weirdly laugh even though you feel like you shouldn't. And I feel like the, yeah, so I'd argue that the Coen brothers are my biggest influence. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm drawn, as you talk about this, I'm thinking about uh, movies like Nebraska or right. something like that yeah. where, you know, there's these really weird moments that like they're hilarious in and of themselves in the context yeah. maybe it makes you just like completely uncomfortable yes um, right. yeah and i'm curious to see how that establishes itself in uh, in, in 60 seconds yeah. that's all kinds of other challenge yeah. uh, if you were to get a carte blanche to reform film 60 if you could if you were the organizer of film 60 what would you keep as a element of film 60 maybe you maybe you called something else if you want to change it to something yeah, not yeah. 60 seconds yeah and then what, what would be something that you change as a filmmaker oh right like if i was in charge of like right if you were in charge of the, as as a as a as a movie as a movie director what right. would you change about this this event that's a really good question um because I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm kind of afraid to answer because I've never been to a film sixty event before. Okay. So like, I've yet to actually look at the whole event and give it a proper like, oh, what should this be? What should, what should we correct you and what should we keep? Sure. Um, but from my general impression so far, I feel like I like the sixty second concept because like that was something that in the film class I took with Heidi Phillips last semester. That was the one thing she emphasized on that. Like, no, let's. Keep, I'm keeping the time limit. Like, if you're going over that time limit, it better be for a good reason. Um, because like we like to think because like, I was just talking about like well we have to take our time to get the shots that we want it's kind of the opposite in editing like you if you take like you can take your time in editing but it has to be uh, like well, like well I mean take your time in editing and that like you keep these scenes and you like have these shots be longer but it has to be a good for, for a good reason like a real good reason as to why it has to be there and I don't and like when people and that was the thing like for last year yeah in that class I just took last semester like every one of us, including myself, thought, oh, well, I like this bit and I want to keep it. But then like Heidi would be like, well, OK, that's cool. But do we really need it there? Like, is there a real reason as to why it's there? And then we're like, oh, well, I guess not. And so we cut it. Right. And we realized it ultimately made a better film because we cut it. And I think keeping it at 60 seconds, while 60 seconds is really short, 
I feel like that's a great way for people being like, okay, how can I use 60 seconds to tell an efficient, cool story, right? Um, and like forcing themselves to look at all their scenes and being like, okay, what do I keep and what do I not keep? Because sometimes the most boring films are the ones that just like, where someone just didn't cut anything at all and just kept all their scenes together and thought to themselves, oh, this is really cool. It's like watching a 10 minute montage of like, Winnipeg for like tourists is like just boring even probably for tourists it's just like this is 10 minutes long okay I've seen the golden boy like five times now I don't need to see it any more than that right like no you can cut it down probably to two minutes right so like I would keep the 60 second thing and not, not to mention the title is just really catchy film 60 it's easy to say um, I'd say uh, besides that I don't have anything to remove at the moment um, <laughs> I would just say like it's pretty much perfect as, a, as like, an event is what you're saying yeah yeah right I, I, but then again, I'll, I will just say this like I haven't seen any of the films but like some people I just noticed that I just hope people don't film as if they're like vining like or on vine like oh. they have the aspect ratio right like, I forget what kind of aspect ratio that is but just like no just turn the phone the other way the vertical video yeah vertical it just it's so much more easier for my eyes anyways just it, you just to me it just comes off as just extremely amateur if you just have it the other way but yeah hmm. then again I don't know I, 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 might, I might be sounding a little bit pretentious saying that but whatever <laughs> that's okay artists I think artists are allowed some some level of pretentious pretentiousnessery <laughs> um that's not the word <laughs> yes it is <laughs> oh you're right okay oh oh oh, oh, oh. um as you're editing this film, Kenji, mm -hmm. uh, I'm assuming that it must be close to completion, as it's coming out like it'll be there tomorrow. Yes. Uh, so it's pretty much is pretty much there. Are you already looking at it and saying, "Oh, maybe I did this wrong"? Well, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> really? Um, How constant like, is your self doubt? <laughs> uh, well, like fun fact, uh, Nolan. And if you didn't know, Nolan is in my film. He actually plays the he plays a student. Um, well, funny enough, I was taking the opening shot, right? And uh, there are already two big problems I noticed. Oh dear! Um, and I, this is ultimately my fault because I should have looked at the footage and then said, "Let's do this again." But you very, very briefly looked right into the camera, and while, cardinal sin. Yeah, while you're looking away, and then my cameraman's pan was way slower than I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be like like lightning quick, like pan over, mm. but then he took like three seconds to get across oh. and so i just thought yeah that just that takes a lot it takes out a lot of the energy so like already i've already like uh, like already i've noticed that like a lot of things didn't like could have been better mm -hmm. but and i should have been paying attention to those things but sadly like time was not on our side when we filmed that we only had like two hours in the library and sadly like everyone was a little late i forgot my own camera <laughs> but I oh, was using no. a camera from the library. It was a it was a bit of a mess, but we ultimately got all the footage. And so I'm knowing that, like after we filmed it, actually after we filmed like our shoot, I, I like I immediately accepted the fact that some things are probably not going to be the way I wanted them to hmm. be. So like when I saw that shot of you walking in and you briefly looked at the camera, I thought, yeah, that's not surprising, and I should have been paying attention. And I should have corrected it. Sure. So, yeah. Someone's going to be bumped down to number two on the call sheet. It's true. <laughs> it's true. And they're not going to give me the comedic roles because as we've ascertained on this show many times, I am best playing a straight man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last, what's next after film 60? Um, you, you have your own uh, you have your own production company, Omen's, Omen's Creep. Films, yes. Omen's, Omen's yeah. Creek Films. That's right. Um, you can watch us on YouTube. Uh, just search up Omen's Creek Films. 
Uh, next project? Well, I'm. that's a very good question. Um, I'm hoping to get a lot of writing done. I've had a lot of screen... What's great this year is that going to see Mew for the first time is that I've come up with a lot of screenplay ideas. and But the big struggle is that, oh, I actually got to put it on paper before it slowly disappears in the sure. brain. Um, and so I've come up with a lot. Probably some of them are crap. Probably some of them are hopefully diamonds that need to be polished. Hmm. And... Um, I will. Want, I would like to spend the summer writing those, and I'm hoping. And also, my high school has contacted me to make them a film for their upcoming big performing arts show, and so um, that would probably be my next project. Yeah. We look forward to seeing it. Kenji Dick, director. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you very much. There we go. You can catch Film Sixty tomorrow night, Thursday night, March the thirty-first, and that is at eight forty-five p.m. in the Great Hall. Black tie affair. Dress up in your best gowns and tuxes. Here's what's coming up um, also this week. We've got some recitals coming up in the near future. I understand that there's been a couple of cancellations actually due to health, so we're very sorry about that. However, you can catch April 12th. I know one for sure that is Nathan Sawatsky Dick uh, performing, I believe it's Love and Tragedy. That's uh, in the Laudamus Auditorium uh, starting at 7 o'clock. I'm sure there's posters going up, so you can take, keep a look out for those. Um, also, I believe that Brianna Heinrichs has a recital coming up as well. Uh, she is a piano student here at CMU, and they uh, she'll be playing a recital. Uh, what day is it? Do you know offhand? April the... <laughs> well, double. Second week of April. It's the second week of April, and I say. feel like it's on the 13th, but don't quote me on that. It is on... Nope. Nope. It's on the 14th. The 14th. Okay. So Here cool. we go. So go check out... Uh, support your fellow students in their musical endeavors. Um, yeah, if you can. If you are looking to uh, be a fellowship group leader... Uh, next year for the 2016-2017 year. Well, what's a fellowship group first? Fellowship groups are peer-led groups that meet uh, weekly uh, to grow in relationship with God and to support one another through activities, sharing, and prayer. No two groups look the same, and each one has their own focus, uh, theme, activity. I've heard of a couple of really cool ones this year, including one that is entirely based on Narnia. So, uh, if you're looking to maybe peddle that kind of idea, applications are still being accepted, but act quick. You can email uh, spiritual life facilitator Danielle Morton at dmorton at cmu.ca for more information. We've also got, um, what's coming up? We've got the, uh, the graduating bank. What do they call that? The Spring Gala. Spring Gala coming up on April the 20th, I believe, maybe. Oh, all that and more is in your and check your CMU daily for more information. Look it up yourself. We're not your day planner. Out. Yeah, and we got to get going. So we're going to wrap up the show for today. As always, you can head to wittenbergradio.com for past episodes. Subscribe on iTunes or the podcatcher of your choice. It comes right to your mobile device if that happens. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Wittenberg Radio. Also, we're on Facebook. Wittenbergradio at gmail.com is the place to email us your comments, questions, listener concerns, and all of the above. Happy paper writing season and best to you as you get ready for that final home stretch, people. Here we go. Until next week, my name is Nolan Kaler. And I'm Daniel Friesen. We'll see you then. See ya. Wittenberg Radio is a production of CMU Student Council. The views and opinions expressed by hosts and guests are not necessarily those of CMU Student Council. 